The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. It's time to stop focusing on business problems and start focusing on the growth and leadership of your business. Welcome to The Business Edge with your host, Marsha Zeidel. Learn from savvy, street-smart entrepreneurs how to make the leap from running a stressful business that's always putting out fires to leading a successful company that is innovative, productive, profitable. Now, here's Marsha Zeidel. Welcome to The Business Edge, giving street-smart advice to entrepreneurs and business leaders on how to take their company, firm, or organization to that next level with less stress and more success. In other words, how to create and grow great businesses that matter, those that do well and do good. I'm Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves coach and speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. My motto is, if you do what you always did, you will get what you always got. Therefore, move outside of your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. So let's start right now to bring some magic to your leadership and business with Marsha's Musings. It's time for Marsha's Musings, a tasty morsel of wisdom and wit to take the growing pains out of growth. What makes a successful entrepreneur? Part 2. What do Jeff Bezos, Howard Schultz, Larry Page, and other highly successful entrepreneurs have in common? Research shows there are four critical leadership factors for entrepreneurial success. The first is mindset, how you interpret and respond to situations, which was last week's musings. Today's is the second, which is self-management. As an entrepreneur, how you manage you is more essential to your success than if you worked in a large company. In a small business, you are mission critical. It's very much up to you to chart the course, make the decisions, find the resources, and so much more. Here are three key self-management skills. Do you have them? First, action-oriented. More than any other profession, entrepreneurs have to be motivated by action. Many times you're facing barriers and disappointments. Often, nothing happens until you do something. How well do you redirect yourself to keep moving forward? Second, multitasker. In in starting up, you'll be wearing many hats, from being the CEO to performing as a sales manager to even operating as a trash collector. Do you have the amount of energy required for multitasking and shifting gears? And three, resiliency. No one said it was going to be easier to be an entrepreneur. There's the pressure of deadlines, of dealing with people, of the unknown. All can take a huge toll. Can you use stress as a motivator to thrive or or will it wear you down? Listeners, 
How well do you self-manage? A simple assessment, the Entrepreneur Edge Profile, can tell you. Want to find out? Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com or call 972-380-9181. Next week's success factor is dealing with others. You're listening to Marsha Zidle, the Smart Moves Coach, making sure you're on the right track and not getting sidetracked in your drive for high performance and profitability. Today's program on the entrepreneurial journey is, you should never be the smartest one in the room. My guest is Daniel Moore, a real estate investor and creator of a software service company. In 2008, at the age of 23, Daniel brought, bought his first investment property and, by the age of 28, became a full-time real estate investor after being inducted in Rich Dad's Hall of Fame. Quite a feat. He believes many startups never get past just that, startups. As entrepreneurs and small business owners, many of us have that can-do-anything mentality. Regardless of how skilled and motivated we may be, trying to grow a business while running it is a struggle many startups face. The solution, according to Daniel, is to find people that are better at some things than you and then hire them. So if you are the smartest one in the room, you failed. So I want to welcome you, Daniel. It's a delight to have you on the business edge. Thank you for having me, Marcia. Uh, you have a fascinating story. Um, I, I met Daniel and his wife a couple days ago. They live in Dallas, like I do, and extremely impressed because um, he's a millennial. And you would think that there's lots of uh, thoughts about millennials, and he doesn't fit the, ter- uh, the stereotype. And so I am just so pleased. And I want you to start. I want to start by. Uh, telling me about your business. When, when did you start it, and why did you start it, and what makes it unique? Well, thank you. Uh, I mean, as you'd mentioned, I had started in real estate at the age of 23 and became full-time at the age of 28. And through the process of doing that, you know, I had networked with a lot of other real estate professionals, and I consistently, through meetings, found that there were several problems that many new real estate investors were having, and that was generating leads, as well as finding out about comparable sales for those properties. So after four or five years in the business and consistently hearing that kind of feedback, my business partner and I found out a way that we could possibly solve those, solve those problems for people. So we started up a software company, and mm-hmm. we do just that. We provide off-market leads for real estate investors, as well as comparable sales data for real estate investors. And you also, so you, as I see it, you have at least two businesses, maybe more, because when I talk to you, you have some great ideas. You have this software company, but you're also a real estate investor, and you buy and turn properties around. Am I correct on that? Yeah, that's my primary investing strategy is buying, fixing, and selling properties, but I also do rentals and owner finance type of properties where I can create passive income uh, throughout the course of notes and rental properties. Okay. 
So now that we have a sense of, you know, what you do, there are a couple of things that I, I ask all entrepreneurs, um, mm-hmm. and that is, what do you find most satisfying in owning your business? What drove you to do this? And as I understand in talking with you, this is your career. It's not something that you're playing with, you're dabbling with. You are going to continue being a real, uh, real estate investor and come up with other companies. So what, what's, what drives you? I would have to say my number one drive as an entrepreneur and the benefit of being an entrepreneur is it's limitless. Uh, there really is nothing that can stop how far you can go. Is I mean, if you can dream it and you can do it, then then you can achieve it. Uh, that's some of the things that I didn't see whenever I was an employee in other companies, and that was, you know, I was told when to show up to work, what my value was for my time, and at the end of the week, I got a check for that, regardless of how well I performed or how well mm-hmm. I did not perform. But as a, as a, as an entrepreneur, if I set a dream and I and I follow through on that, and that dream is solving problems for people, then I can often pretty much create a limitless income as well as a limitless lifestyle for what I for what I do. And, and that's a that's a pretty big goal. Uh, yes, it is. And um, can you talk a little more about? Because this is something that I'm of the baby boomer generation. So uh, what we were told as uh, when we were in our twenties is get a college education, or even in our teens, get a college education, go work for a big company, and you know that's your life. And and what I'm finding in talking to you and other millennials, that is not the path that you um, are going. And so w- what got you on this path? I mean, I, I came from a family that was not wealthy by any means. We were kind of on the lower end of the spectrum in regards to income. So I saw my father struggle for his entire life um, working for other people and doing those types of things. He worked construction, and uh, he struggled to raise a family. And by the time, you know, he was in his mid-30s, his body was pretty much broke down. He had, he had done everything he could possibly do to work. And we we pretty much had lost everything. Uh, he could no longer work because he was physically unable to. And then seeing that happen to him, I wanted to find a different way to to get out there and mm-hmm. do things differently, to to change the change the path of not only my family but my friends and everybody around me. Show them a different way of doing things that that didn't involve you know working your entire life to retire on a fourth of what you were earning that you were barely getting by on to begin with. <laughs> Um, uh, you know, I, I, I chuckle only because I totally agree with you now that I'm in that stage, you know. Um, so you have that entrepreneurial spirit and that entrepreneurial drive. And, and that is what's motivating you. But at the same time, when you're starting and, and growing a, a business, it requires more than a business. Yes, it requires that motivation. It requires that drive. And it requires, I mean, the first thing they say is have a business plan. Um, Mm -hmm. First of all, did you have a business plan? Or did you not say, or did you, yeah. Uh, for for my first several companies, um, no, I did not have a business plan. I was by no means a an extremely organized person. I was much more of a, uh, a shoot shoot then aim kind of guy. Mm-hmm. So I would see an opportunity, I would take it, and then I would see my successes and failures, and then reestablish where my path would go from there. But with the most recent company that we put together, there was a, a rather lengthy business plan put together with a, very, a lot of charts and everything else, and I could credit my business partner to that. He's a much more analytical kind of person. I'm much more of a, of a uh, wing it kind of guy. 
And I think you brought up a good point because it's to know your your style. Um, as you said, mm-hmm. you're a winged kind of guy. Maybe it worked in the in the first couple businesses early in, in, in your entrepreneurial career. But as you grow mm-hmm. your company, um, you need more structure, more um, um, and other things uh, to keep it growing. And you, so you've got a, a partner or someone who can complement you. And I think that's Most really definitely. great. Yes. So talking about now... Um, you know, really growing that company. Uh, what are uh, the top three challenges in, that you found in getting it off the ground? Um, you know, uh, it, as you move it from a startup to a scale-up, what are some of the challenges that you face that maybe other entrepreneurs or would-be entrepreneurs w- would also face? I would have to say my number one uh, challenge that I face on a consistent basis would be my work-life balance. Um, mm-hmm. I find it kind of funny. A lot of times you'll hear the saying, you know, an entrepreneur is the only person that will quit a 40-hour job just to work an 80-hour-a-week job. And for, for my own particular case, that is the truth. I work, I work a considerable amount of hours. It's from pretty much the time I can get up to the time I go to bed. Uh, it's either work or work on my mind. It's hard for me to shut that off. And I'm, I'm over the past year been working very hard on learning how to shut off work and, uh, enjoy being, enjoy being a 30 year old man. So that's probably been one of my biggest struggles. Um, and, and, uh, what might be some others, you know, just, I mean, that's that personal struggle, which I, which I think is, I'm very glad that you brought that up as number one, because <laughs> most <laughs> entrepreneurs don't see it as that. They just accept it. Mm-hmm. Um, but in terms of, let's say getting funding or, you know, dealing with customers or, you know, whatever, what other challenges did you have? I would, I would lean towards probably focus. Uh, focus being one of the things that um, I had struggled with is because I would see a great opportunity and mm-hmm. I would I would try to enact on that great opportunity and throughout the course of my startup and through the ramp up of my companies uh, I quickly learned that you know I can't I can't effectively execute on a hundred great ideas I needed mm-hmm. to narrow it down to the couple that I thought had the best potential and focus strictly on that. And that was a big shift in my business at the point in time where I stopped taking every opportunity that came in front of me and really narrowing it down to only the few that made the most sense to me. And when I say sense, I mean C-E-N-T-S, the most sense, because just because something has a great idea doesn't mean that I can effectively do it and that it's a better idea than something I'm already doing. So I narrowed down a lot of the different tasks I was doing in a daily business and said if they weren't making me X amount of dollars, they were getting kicked off the plate. And at the point in time I did that, I really started seeing some big changes in my business and my bank accounts. So, um, for example, what did you throw out? What did you say? This is no longer something I'm going to be focused on uh, because it's taking me away from others that is providing me more money. Um, some examples of that? On the real estate investing side of the business, there's multiple different strategies that you can implement that create different types of income streams as well as different amounts of income. And mm-hmm. some of the ones that I was good at but weren't making as much money as others as there's a, there's a strategy called wholesaling. And with wholesaling, you're actively marketing, trying to find discounted properties, and then you're finding those discounted properties and selling them at a quick turn profit. On average, my my average profit on a house like that was about $7,000, but there was a lot of work being put in to find one of those. Mm -hmm. So I eliminated that. There was another strategy called Subject 2, and Subject 2 is great for long-term wealth, but it builds very little capital up front. It's mostly a, a monthly recurring revenue, and you build wealth over time. 
but neither one of those two were big, big gains of ca- big capital gains. So I, I shifted out of those two strategies and focused strictly on new construction, where I could find great lots to build on, and uh, remodeling of properties. So I can take one property and remodel it, and my average income off of one of those was about thirty to forty thousand dollars, or a new construction project where my average profit was a hundred to two hundred. So instead of trying to do all of those different strategies, I mm-hmm. focused on just the ones that I was really good at and that I could do pretty much automated with my eyes closed, which was the remodeling and the new construction. And that's pretty much all I do now when it comes to the real estate side of the business. Um, and with the startup of the new software company, it became very clear that my time was most valuable uh, with the software company and the new construction. The, the, mm-hmm. new, the software company has unlimited potential. When I say unlimited, it just it can grow and grow and grow. So now that we have just a couple more minutes before our first break, uh, you've you've talked about where you are today. Um, where do you want to be in three to five years from now? Uh, what are your hopes and your dreams in terms of your business? Where where do you see it going, or doing, or are you going to continue with it, or do something different? I'm always looking to to press into something that's new and bigger and better, and uh, I've been doing single-family investing for quite a while, and my goal probably within the next three to five years is to move into, I've been flipping a lot of houses, flipping isn't buying, remodeling, and selling. Mm -hmm. I'm very interested in flipping apartment complexes, Uh, and a good friend of mine, Will Crozier, his his number one saying is, you know, the only difference between a house and an apartment complex is a zero. Meaning that, you know, you buy a house for 100000 you buy an apartment for a million. So I'm very intrigued by his success, and I look forward to trying to replicate that. So moving into flipping apartment complexes is a big move for me. And then with the software company, our goal within the next three to five years is to expand nationally. Right now, we are pre- predominantly a regional company in the Texas marketplace, providing tools for real estate investors in that area. But we plan on moving nationally and growing our user base from 500 users to 2,500 users within the next three years. Well, that is very ambitious, and having met you and talked with you, you're going to get there. (laughs) I guarantee (laughs) that. So it is now time for a uh, short break. I'm Marcia Seidel, the Smart Moves Coach, and my guest is Daniel Moore, talking about his entrepreneurial journey and why you should never be the smartest one in the room. Um, in the next segment, Daniel will give us further insights in you know, growing his business and what are the top things that you need to be looking at. So um, you're listening to The Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. 
Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G.com. Have you ever heard of someone who felt stuck in a challenging situation, feeling sideswiped by an event that took their success path off course? Glenn Ramsey, the entrepreneur blind spot coach, will help you to identify the unnoticeable reasons why you've derailed and get back on track with your KPI goals. Get realigned with success and connect with Glenn, the blind spot coach, at Glenn at InspireNexus.com to schedule your free discovery coaching session today. That's Glenn, G-L-E-N, at InspireNexus.com. Up-to-date business and financial news. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. The experts are here. Voice America Business Network. You're tuned in to The Business Edge with Marsha's Idol. To reach Marsha or her guests on today's show, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You can also send us an email to Marsha at SmartMovesCoach.com. Now, back to The Business Edge. Welcome back to The Business Edge. I'm Marsha Zeidel, a Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and their talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest is Daniel Moore, and he's been talking about his entrepreneurial journey and why you should never be the smartest one in the room. At the end of the last segment, um, Daniel was talking about how he was planning to grow his business in three to five years and what are some of his goals. And I said um, very ambitious because he wants to take his um, his software company nationally and he's now moving from, in his real estate investment, moving from flipping houses to flipping apartments and who knows, it could be commercial at some point. So I'm, I'm very pleased to have uh, Daniel on the show and because he is a millennial and because he gives us a very different perspective. So uh, Daniel, um, you know, when your entrepreneurs face a variety of leadership issues when they move from a startup venture um, to a more established business, I call it they can be experiencing some growing pains. And I've sort of outlined, um, you know, four areas that that might cause them some growing pains and wanted to know how you deal with it. So first, the first is, uh, you're growing. You have to bring more people in. How do you hire the right talent? How do you know what you're looking for? And then how do you identify them? I definitely feel like in in my thought processes is I look at my week-to-week activities, and I mm-hmm. see which of those week-to-week activities is taking up most of my time. Because my, my job as, as, the, as the leader of the company is to lead the company, not work in it. 
So I, I look in, I look at all the activities that I'm doing, and I try and decide which one is taking away the most time from me. And whoever, whatever that is taking the most time away from me, I try to find somebody that can do what I was doing and do it far better than I could ever do. So I look for somebody, for instance, we just hired a digital marketer onto our software company because although I might know a little bit about digital marketing and it was taking a lot of my time, I am not by any means the best digital marketer I could ever find. So I spent months interviewing people, uh, reviewing their, their submissions, and I wanted to find not a good digital marketer. I wanted to find the best digital marketer. And although the best digital marketer might cost more than the average digital marketer, I've got to look at the return that that digital marketer brings to my company. So if, if I feel like the difference between the best and a good one is, is a tenfold increase in productivity, then I, I'm looking for the absolute best people to surround myself with so that way I have the best team to work with. And I think that goes back to the to the title of this, that you shouldn't be, you know, the smartest one in the room. Um, so that's how you hire. And what fascinated me as you were telling about it is that it said it took you months. Uh, did you – and, and, and my thought is because there's a part of, of you that you talked about being impatient, you know, and, and, mm-hmm. uh, and you know, wanting to take every opportunity – but how this required patience on your part, didn't it, to find that right person? Very much so, and I, I, I'll give credit to that back to um, when I was probably 17 to about 20. I had worked for a large corporation, and through that large corporation, I quickly went from employee to, to hourly management to salaried management in a very short period of time. But through that growth, I was given a lot of management training, and that management training came uh, with how to manage employees and as well as how to hire employees. Mm. And a lot of what I learned through that training was that the wrong hire will cost you far more money than an excellent employee ever will Mm -hmm. because you put the wrong person in the wrong position, and not just the wrong position, but the wrong culture because we we being a software company, we run our company as a... a, um, not a bricks and mortar business. It's all done virtually. So we we need as a team virtually, and we do all that virtually. So I needed to find a team member that could still be productive as a as a as a abroad team. So hiring couldn't just hire the best digital marketer. I had to find the best digital marketer that was self motivated and able to do this from a remote team. And that's not something you just find in a couple of weeks. So it was a much it was a much bigger challenge for me to make sure that I found the right person than just doing the position. So I think that's a really key point, um, and two things that come to my mind as you talk. First is to find that right person for the right and the right to fit into your culture. Um, mm-hmm. And we're going to get in, in a couple of um, little another question down the line is what is your culture? But the, um, and then um, the uh, second thing is um, to have that patience to go ahead and and. Um, and and then to let go and to trust that person to do what maybe you were doing but not as well as you were doing. So I, I think those are the two points from from how you describe that. Um, let's move on. Um, you know, as you grow, you're not a one man band anymore. You've hired people. Um, do you have um, a, a management team? Um, and if so, are there other people that you you know that uh, you work with that you consider your team that help you make decisions? And how have you put them together? You know, and you know, tell me about 
your thoughts and your experience putting together a management team? I like, um, with the management style, I like to give people the room to fail because I feel that it gives them the ability to grow. And I Mm -hmm. have to accept as a manager, I remember I hired for my real estate business a couple of years ago, I hired a lady to pretty much manage my office. She was responsible Mm -hmm. for taking phone calls, dealing with motivated sellers. And when I hired her, I immediately said, I anticipate her to lose at least $100,000 for me. And I say that because I, w- I was going to put her in a position that she had the, the right to make decisions. And if I didn't give her the right to do that on her own, and I tried to control all of her own decisions, she would never be able to blossom into the person that she has became today and being able to make her own decisions. If she always came to me and I gave her the answer, then that would be the employee she would become, the person that comes to me for the answer, and that doesn't remove me from the equation. So I just told her flat out when I hired her, I said, I have full anticipation of you not being productive in the company for the next six months and for honestly for you to lose quite a bit of work for me. But there's no way for me to grow unless I give you that opportunity. And now she is the backbone of my business. I mean, she she knows everything that needs to happen, when it needs to happen, and she could completely run the business without me being there. She would not have been able to achieve that without me giving her that ability to fail. Outside of that, with the software company, we are a remote team. So managing a remote team is a is a skill in and of itself. And we've implemented systems and software to allow us to manage our team remotely. We've purchased other companies such as Pivotal Tracker, which is like a, a task-based management system where mm-hmm. I can look at what, what, are, what the employees and partners have been doing and say, okay, this is what you've got managed for this week. Maybe I think this is more important and I can move things around in their schedule. And as they have products completed, I can go then and review them and mark them as completed and or give them feedback to correct it. And we have a, a another software company called not We subscribe to another software system called Slack. And that's like a instant messaging system for companies just like ours where our team communicate together in a social manner and still work as though we're in the same business and building together, but we're actually on a remote team. And this is a whole new way of working. Um, mm-hmm. And virtual, you know, working uh, with uh, with a virtual team, and I know there are these, uh, you know, uh, software products that that can keep you in touch, and you can know what's going on. But one question that comes to me again, I'm the baby boomer here, <laughs> so mm-hmm. I think a little differently. Um, and in fact, there was I was at a meeting last night where they uh, the owner talked about this that she has a virtual team, but what she does is that she brings them in maybe once or twice a year, um, and you know, and she communicated with them you know by Skype and all that so that they can mm-hmm. they can see each other and also align each other line with the business. Have you done that at all, or do you anticipate doing it, or are there people too far afield? Are they international as part of your team? Uh, we do have a national and an international team, and our national mm-hmm. team meets once a month um, on a regular basis. Um, the co-founder and myself, we meet weekly. Every Tuesday we meet in person. We sit down for a full day. We discuss what happened last week, what's happening this week, what needs to occur to, to produce further growth. And then once a month we meet with our local team, which is about four people, and we bring all of them in. We sit down, discuss what happened over the last month, and so on and so forth. And then we have an international team that's based out of the Philippines, and mm-hmm. we meet with them once a week via Skype. Ah, Okay. So that's how you keep everyone on track and online. 
um, because mm-hmm. just software will only do so much. That's that was you know where I was coming from. Um, let's move on because you talked about hiring someone that fit that culture. Um, what are, you know? What kind of culture are you building in your company, and how are you going about doing that? We're definitely um, the software company is built more as a lifestyle business. You know, giving us the freedom to to passively create massive amounts of income. So we wanted to make sure that our employees were able to enjoy that same level of benefit and that same level of flexibility. Like we don't have a, you show up at work at 8 a.m., you leave work at 5 p.m., you work Monday through Friday type of mentality. We have a, this is what needs to get done, and you do this when it fits your business, your life, and as long as you're able to do that on the deadline that we need it done in, then we're fine with that. You know, you don't need to clock a, punch a clock at 8 a.m. You don't need to, you know, clock out at 5 p.m., but... You know, if you feel comfortable working at Starbucks, then drive over to Starbucks since we are a virtual team and spend your day at Starbucks doing what you need to do. And as long as you're productive, that's what we're asking from you. We're not asking you to, to punch a time clock and we're not asking you to fit a regimented schedule. Kind of, if you, if you have kids and you know, you like to go to, go to lunch with your kids Monday through Friday, then take the time out of your day to go spend time with your family because this is all about the lifestyle. This isn't about, about the money so much. Does that make sense? And how do your people react to that? Um, um, I, I would think they'd be extremely pleased uh, with this culture. Yeah, we've we've got some really good feedback from it. I mean, it seems like they're more productive, they're more excited because they're able to, to have the social life that they're wanting to have, mm-hmm. but at the same time, you know, produce and provide and help build a company that we, we make sure that everybody feels like they're definitely a, a a part of the company. They are a essential piece to what is growing. So we always give positive feedback and give, you know, anytime somebody completes something, it's definitely a good review and like, hey, we really loved this type of thing. And then if there was anything that we didn't like about it, it's so much like maybe next time we can move around to this. But they really seem to like that personal, I have kind of control of my own life mentality. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can understand that. Um one other area that I find entrepreneurs need to, um, you know, could be challenging um, as they grow their business is they themselves, you know, uh, their leadership style, um, you know, leading others. When you're, you're, when you're a one-man band, that's one thing, but now you're not a one-man band. You're leading other people and, and leading people in, in various parts of the, the world. So, um Tell me a little bit about your leadership style. I think you alluded to it before, but uh, did, you ha- did you have to make any change in it, at, or are you making any change in it as you grow your business? That is a, a great question. And when I first started out with the real estate side of things, I was the professional. I, I knew everything there was to know about real estate, and I'm not going to say that arrogantly. Within reason, I mean, there was pretty much a a pretty pretty vast amount of knowledge I had with real estate, so therefore... I felt like I was comfortable as the one-man band and just kind of semi-directing people around. And I kind of ran my real estate business as the one-man band. But whenever we started the software company, I I shifted into a whole new realm where I knew nothing. 
I knew nothing about software. I knew nothing about how to how to run a software company, the metrics that drive a software company. So I had to rely heavily on everybody else's knowledge around me. And at mm. the point in time where I really started building the software company, did I realize how vital my role was as a leader versus a doer. And at the point mm-hmm. in time I started working in the software company, my focus really shifted from doing into growing and leading because I can't do 99% of what the software company does because I don't know how to. So I have no option of doing it. I have to find other people to do it for me. And by, because of that, it has completely changed my, my leadership style completely. And, and that's actually transferred over. Yeah, go ahead, Sorry. transferred. That, that actually transferred over into my real estate business. Once I started mm-hmm. seeing the mm-hmm. benefits of putting together a team like that, you know, my real estate business has really became much more hands-off. I've put people in place out into the field to do what I was doing in the field. I've put, you know, field managers out into place. I've put office managers into place. And since doing that, my goal really is just growing. It's no longer, it's no longer doing. And did you find that hard to make that transition? Because some some entrepreneurs do. They really, I mean, they know intellectually they're about. They need to let go, but some find it more di- difficult to to actually do it. You know, did you have difficulty doing it, or did it come easy for you? Honestly, had it not been for the software company, I think that I would have been a doer for my entire life because I was so comfortable with my ability to do it and I had confidence in my ability to do it. Letting go of that and giving that to somebody else was a difficult challenge to do. But once we moved into the software company, I didn't have an option. Whether I liked it or not, it had to be done. And uh, it wasn't easy for me at all. But uh, since it wasn't an option, I had to do it. It, it, it created a shift in my mind that this is what's going to have to be done, and I did it. And I will never, I will never be able to run another company again as a doer. It will be a leader from now on. Okay, um, we just have a, a probably a, a about a, a well, you know, I'm going to stop there because we just have about a minute to thirty seconds left. Any final thoughts about leadership before we take our break? Um. I would definitely say that the key, the keys to growing a business is how you effectively use other people's time and other people's knowledge. And a, a third indicator into that would be other people's money, bring how to grow capital, use other people's time, and effectively g- leverage other people's knowledge. Doing that through a leadership style is what's going to separate you from, from the startup to the growth. And on that note, which is Excellent idea, excellent thought, and I wish I knew that 20 20 years earlier than now. We are going to take a quick break. I'm Marcia Seidel, the Smart Moose Coach, and my guest is Daniel Moore talking about his entrepreneurial journey and why you should never be the smartest one in the room. Um, In the next uh, segment, Daniel is going to get into some of the uh, the ahas for him in terms of his learning as an entrepreneur, as well as some do's and don'ts for those out, out there who want to be as successful as he is. So um, you're listening to uh, The Business Edge on Voice America Business Channel. Stay tuned. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. 
Have you heard the great news? Snelling has been awarded Best of Staffing by both clients and candidates for their remarkable service, an achievement less than 1% of all workforce solutions companies can claim. Simply put, Snelling's satisfaction scores are more than double the industry average. We call it People Plus, and you'll understand why when you give us a call. Call us at 1-800-411-6401 or visit our webpage at www.snelling.com. That's 1-800-411-6401 or S-N-E-L-L-I-N-G.com. There's a saying, if you do what you've always done, you'll get what you've always gotten. Are you satisfied with what you're getting? Are you ready to get something different? To get the business edge, bring Marsha Zidal, the Smart Moves author and professional speaker, to your next meeting, conference, or retreat. What you get is more than just stories and motivation. Marsha delivers big ideas with big impact to fast-track your business and your leadership. Schedule your next keynote or presentation now at Marsha, M-A-R-C-I-A, at smartmovescoach.com. the market's up or down, or if you're looking to improve your portfolio, our experts are ready to talk to you. Call now. Toll free. 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business edge with marcia's idol to reach marcia or her guests on today's show please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you can also send us an email to marcia at smartmovescoach.com now back to the business edge Welcome back to the Business Edge. I'm Marcia Seidel, the Smart Moves Coach, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to grow great businesses that matter, those that do good and do well. My guest today is Daniel Moore, and he's been talking about his entrepreneurial journey, which is fascinating, as well as as why you should never be the smartest one in the room. And um, we're going to get into uh, some of Daniel's ahas as well as some of his do's and don'ts. But before we do, I just want to give you a highlight of what next week's program uh, to bring more magic to your leadership in business. And it is building a company culture that attracts top talent. Attracting the right people to your team is more than a cleverly crafted help wanted ad on Craigslist. My guest, Angie Strata of 360 Wrap, a marketing and vehicle wrap business, has over 20 years of military and corporate management experience and 11 years as an entrepreneur. Angie will be sharing with us how her company's unique and positive culture has helped attract the right people to her team. Tune in June 17th at noon Pacific, 3 Eastern. And um, uh, if you would go to her website, uh, www.rap360, you'll see what she does, which is actually wrap cars and vehicles with their marketing logos and, and their marketing message. It is going to be a really interesting interview. But now, coming back to Daniel, and he's been talking about um, his journey of being a real estate investor 
as well as starting a software, real estate software company. Um, you know, the, the, the thing that um, I'm interested in, Daniel, is what has been your biggest aha moment uh, from where you started a number of years ago to where you are today? That would be definitely hiring before you think you can. Um, if you're if you're constantly waiting until you find that perfect opportunity that it says, you know, hey, uh, we can hire somebody, I, w- I would think that the aha looking back on it was the point in time where I started realizing that um, a new employee may cost X amount of dollars, but mm-hmm. that new employee that costs X amount of dollars means that I can focus on bringing in even more and growing and growing and growing and doing more. If I had started out the business and continued with that, you know, I'll hire somebody later mentality. The the workload on a growing company becomes excessively burdensome to an entrepreneur. And if that entrepreneur doesn't learn to to take advantage of other people's time and give them that other person the opportunity to fail, then it's going to be it's not you're not going to be able to grow beyond yourself. My aha was the moment when I realized that uh, re- regardless of whether I think I can hire somebody or not, I have to. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, was, it, was, it was a fear factor for me because there's a lot of things that come with uh, hiring a full-time employee, things you have to deal with, with the workers' compensation, insurance, and there's a lot of things to think about there that you're not maybe wanting to think about. But buckling down, making that transition, bringing employees into the company was the, was the change from being kind of like a, a sole proprietor to actually being a, a full-blown business. And it is going from being the one-man band, as we talked about, mm-hmm. to being more of a leader and more of uh, looking at business growth and not doing the day-to-day operations. And I think you, you hit it on the, the nail on the head because that is one of the biggest transitions entrepreneurs or, or people at startup companies have to make. So so that is your big aha, okay? Um, mm-hmm. What advice or words of wisdom would you give entrepreneurs in starting and growing uh, a business? Maybe, uh, you know, some do's and don'ts from your experience. Okay, so some do's and don'ts from my, my experience would be learn to automate and automate often from the get-go. When you have, when you have a challenge placed in front of you and you have successfully accomplished that challenge, systematize what you did to accomplish that so therefore Mm -hmm. you can train somebody else to do it for you and then take action, consistent, repetitive, focused action. And I have to say focused action because somebody can work 80 hours a week and not be productive. And I'm not Mm -hmm. saying that you're not working. It's just that you're not focusing on the things that really make sense to the business. So focused, dedicated action as you start taking action, find ways to systematize that so you can outsource other people's time and then learn how to manage and work with those people so that way you can allow them to do those tasks while you take on bigger new challenges. You figure out those challenges and then delegate those to the people underneath you. Really good one. So let me just repeat because I think um, these are these are things that we uh, all entrepreneurs should do, which is automate. And, you know, and, and there's so much software now to do that um, and, and systematize. And you are saying uh, uh, 
what one of my the other guests that I've had on that she systematized her whole business. I mean, and her her topic was systematized to success. So that was mm-hmm. you know, and and by doing that, you're able to train people. Um, and I like the idea of what you said: take focused action. Um, it's not just running around like a chicken without a head, but it is focusing. What is it focusing on? What could you tell? What do you focus on when you are taking action? What's sort of in the back of your mind? Now that we, now that you've brought that up, that 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 reminded me of a, a key change in my business that um, that really changed my day to day activities. And um, I am I am a diagnosed uh, attention deficit disorder. I have a really hard time focusing on specific things. But uh, my wife is actually the one that gave me this comment. And what I did is every day at the start of the day, I sit down with a notepad in front of me, and mm-hmm. I and I just brainstorm about all of the things that can be done today. And I write them all down. And I write every single one of them down. And then once I've written them down, I prioritize them by things that make me money. The next thing that goes in is things that have to be done, and then the last thing is things that need to be done. Mm. And that is how I prioritize every single day, and that is all the way up until today. Today, I still sit down at my desk every morning with a notepad in front of me, and the first and most important thing for my company is to generate income. So that is the things that I do every single day regardless. Mm-hmm. So whenever I knock those out and I have finished those, the next thing in the line are the things that need to be done. Things that need to be done are like, I need to file my taxes. I need to do, <laughs> I, I need to, to renew my insurance. I need to do those things. Those come next. And then it, regardless of what happened that day, I do, my day does not end until my need to do list is finished. And then the last thing I do is if I have enough time left in the day, I do my want to do things. Want to do things are I want to organize my office. I want to, to do this. I want to do that. So, and before, whenever I, before I started prioritizing my day using a list like that, I would just start doing whatever I thought I wanted to do. And sometimes what you want to do isn't what makes sense. So I started make, start making money first, need to do second, and then one to do's later. And then as I started growing a team around me, I started outsourcing many of those activities to the people around me. So now my day starts out with looking at that and then assigning tasks to people to get those done for me. Right. Um, wow. Um, that's a great system. And someone else may have a different system, but the key point is don't do what you you know what you want to do do what you need to do and if one of the big needs is you look at what's going to make me money and that's what you focus mm-hmm. on and then the third uh, bit of advice the do's and don'ts was to to manage um, and work with people to delegate um, and and you know you talked about that as well uh, so you know we're down to um, you know, the, the last thing that I want to know from you and from other entrepreneurs is this. Um, what are the top three traits of successful entrepreneurs? As you, you know, you've met, I'm sure, quite a few. Um, what, are you, what did you see in them? What were the three, a couple of things you saw in them that made them successful? And maybe you're even trying to emulate them. So, you know, talk a little bit about that. I think as a as an entrepreneur, you need to have a high level of self motivation. Since you are your own boss now, you can be mm-hmm. very relaxed with what you force yourself to do, and you need to look at your company as you know this is my future, and do I really want to take a vacation for my future? So every day when I get up, it's self motivated. 
I have to do what I have to do, and it's up to me to do it. Uh, I would say number two is is focus, especially starting out, and even to today, I still have some issues with focus, but focus uh, is primary because if you allow yourself to deviate from the goal, it's going to take you that much longer to get there. So everything you do and everything you look at, you need to have a goal sitting out there in front of you, and that goal is your 100% primary focus. Do not allow yourself to be distracted because it will not help you achieve that goal. Uh, so focus is, is number two. And number three, I would say, um, is, is the, the leveraging of other people's time. Mm-hmm. There's mm-hmm. The, the most successful entrepreneurs I have found were able to, to maintain focus and, and work with other people's time to achieve that. Because a one-man band is extremely hard to really scale up and grow to any level that you want to do. And I guess kind of a fourth one that I'm going to throw out there that's kind of, mm-hmm. I guess, different is a, a successful entrepreneur is the one who can find the biggest problem for as many people as they can and solve it. Entrepreneurs are solving problems. So if you find a really big problem that hasn't been solved or a really big problem that could be solved better and you're able to solve that, that almost always equals success. You find a problem and solve it and you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna find success with it. Well, I think, and I'm, I'm glad you added four, and if you wanted to add a five, uh, that's fine, too. Uh, I just like to, you know, three's a nice, a nice number. Um, Daniel, I, I want to thank you so much. This has been really, I've used the word fascinating, and I mean that sincerely. Um, um, I've primarily interviewed uh, probably uh, uh, Generation Y and, and Boomers on the show, and it, and you know you get a little tired of that they say the same kind of things but you are just putting a, a new new perspective and you're generating in me an interest to find out more about millennials and to interview them more so again thank you so much um i'm sure that some of the people there would like to contact you who are and you're listening to the show whether now live or when they listen to it um uh, when it's recorded. So how can they contact you and, you know, tell a little bit about your business? Yeah, if anybody's interested in reaching out to me, you can contact me. My email is daniel, that's D-A-N-I-E-L, at propelio.com. That's P-R-O-P-E-L-I-O. So feel free to reach out to me if you have any questions following up from this interview. And uh, if anybody on here has any uh, desires to invest in real estate or are currently investing in real estate and you need more more leads to, to find more houses, and for those people in Texas that are struggling with getting comparable sales data for your for your investment properties, uh, we can now provide that to you at Propelio.com. That's P-R-O-P-E-L-I-O.com. Well, thank you again, Daniel. And I've already mentioned what next week's uh, program is going to be, which is building a uh, company culture that attracts top talent. So here's a smart moves tip for you um, this week. Hunt elephants, not stop ants. Every day after you go after your high-priority uh, payoffs. Minimize the time spending on stomping ants, those tasks that give you a quicker kill and a higher body count, but don't put much meat on the table. Are you an elephant hunter or an ant stomper? Here's how to find out. Let's do a productivity audit. Contact me at Marcia, M-A-R-C-I-A, at Smart Moves. 
www.thecoach.com or call 972-380-9181. Thank you for listening to The Business Edge with Marcia Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach and Speaker, helping entrepreneurial ventures and small to medium-sized companies build the leadership and talent to move from innovative startup to productive scale-up to profitable enterprise. Remember, to be successful, you must get outside your comfort zone. That's where the magic happens. Thank you. You've been listening to The Business Edge with Marsha Zeidel, the Smart Moves Coach. Join us again next Friday, noon Pacific Time, 3 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Business Channel. Make the leap from a stressful to a successful business.